The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. I want to welcome you today to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church, which is located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCool, and I serve as pastor of Zion Primitive Baptist Church. We are a congregation of believers in the sovereign grace of God where families worship together through the simple practice of preaching, praying, and singing. If you live in this area or are visiting here, we would love to have you attend worship services with us. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. and every Sunday evening at 5 p.m. and the first and third Wednesday evenings at 6.30 p.m. I'm happy to note that our daily podcast is featured on Grace Alone Radio, which you can find at gracealoneradio.net. You can find the schedule on the website, and you can also download an app to your phone so that you can listen wherever you are. Grace Alone Radio is a 24-hour streaming service which carries the message of God's sovereign grace around the clock and around the world. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. That's near the intersection of County Road 49 and Alabama Highway 159, about eight miles north of Gordo, Alabama, and about 10 miles northeast of Reform, Alabama. If you're interested in finding more sermons, you can go to our website at zionpbc.com, that's z-i-o-n-p-b-c.com, where you'll find all of our posted sermons as well as a link to subscribe to our podcast. You can also subscribe to our website which will update you every time a new sermon is posted. For the last several days, we've been looking at the role of the wife in the family relationship. Today, we come to the role of the husbands in the marriage. The husband is to be the loving leader of the family. His primary command, however, is to love his wife, not lead her. The idea is that he must love before he can lead. Join us today as we explore the responsibilities of husbands according to the Scripture. Man of
You might turn to Colossians chapter 3 as we continue in our series on the family. We've been saying all along that we're preaching on family matters because family matters more now than it ever has. And we've sort of laid the foundation already of what family is, what a marriage is. It's not what the world teaches today that it is. It's what God says that it is. You know, one of the things about God is he's the creator. And because he's the creator and he's the one that established marriage, he gets to set the rules. And so I know the world teaches us many things about relationships, but God has the best plan laid out in scripture for what we ought to follow in our relationships. We're going to begin reading in verse 17 again to kind of set the tone. And notice that verse 17 gives us the foundation of what we should be uh, doing it every day in our lives. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. I just want to stop there and remind us of that very important fact that everything we do, we should do for him because we're thankful to him. You know, we're not earning our place in heaven. We couldn't earn it if we spent every single day of our lives struggling to do it. It took Christ coming here to pay that sin debt for us. But because he did that, we ought to be so thankful to him. And we ought to be seeking to know what he wants us to do in our lives. And then he tells us in our very basic relationships, our most basic relationships, wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as it is fit in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. Now we're going to go on and see that servants and masters are considered here, and that's not slaves and owners. It might have been in that day because slavery was a very prevalent thing in the Roman Empire. But what it's talking to us about there is going to, we're going to see is about work relationships. And when we work for somebody or somebody works for us, how we're to treat them. It's amazing how God is getting down to the very place where we live. In the very details of our lives, he is concerned and he gives us guidance. Now, let me just say this. Going back to the husband and wife relationship, we spent two Sundays talking about wives. We talked about what submission is and what it is not. And we saw that godly submission is not the subjugation or the servitude that the world thinks it is. It's something voluntary on the part of the wives in order to fulfill the biblical pattern. And a key component of the biblical pattern for marriage is a loving husband as well. That's the second component. Notice he goes to the wife first. The second component is the loving husband leading the family. But I want you to notice something before we get into the meat of the message is the first thing he says to the husbands is not lead, but love. Not lead, but love. And that's important because what he's reminding us is that when the, when the husband is doing his duty in his, relation, in his marriage relationship, he is lovingly leading his wife. Loving leadership is required, not just any kind of love, okay? You know, one of the things we read about love, you know, you can go to the movies and you think love, all it is is pitter-pat goes your heart, you know? You ever heard of that? I fell in love. I fell. Well, if you can fall in love, you can fall out of love. Now, I know there's an attraction there. Don't get me wrong. God... God, there, there, he, is, he leads us in a providential way, 
And I believe he leads us to that, that if we're, if we're seeking his will, if we're, if we're paying attention, he will guide us to that person that is best of all for us. We don't always see that, though. We don't always get that. Sometimes, sometimes people miss that, you know, and they, they make a mistake. But that does not give us a pass to say, oh, well, now I finally found the right one so I can leave the one I'm married to and go, go get, you know, get together with her or him, okay? That's not what he's talking about. Because, see, love in its most, in its most biblical manifestation is not a feeling, but it is an action. It is an action. And that means that we, just, we, we love one another by showing that love to each other. And we're going to talk about that in a moment. But I just want to lay that groundwork. Now, the first thing that we see here in this passage is a command to love. It is not a suggestion. It's not a good idea. It's not a, oh, if you think you feel like it, do it. He said, husbands love your wives. You might turn over to Ephesians chapter 5 because we're going to go there quite a bit today during the message and probably spend most of our time over there. Ephesians chapter 5 is an elaboration, if you will, upon the third chapter of Colossians. You notice in Ephesians chapter 5, he says in verse 25, Husbands, love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. We're going to come back to that in a moment. But notice again that the, that is a commandment and not a suggestion. It's not something that God just said, well, if you feel like it, do it. He said, no, you do it. You do it. We'll come back to this in a moment. But I've had the situation before where, where I had a, 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 man, a husband come to me and say, you know, I just don't love my wife anymore. What am I to do? And you know my answer? Love her anyway. Love her anyway. Well, I don't feel like it. I didn't say anything about feeling. The Bible doesn't talk about feeling like it. He says, just do it, you see. We'll talk about that in a moment. But remember, it is a commandment to love. See, the primary duty that we have as husbands is to love and not lead. If we're going to try to lead without love, then we will always fail at that task. The man is certainly to be his wife's leader, but he is to be her lover first. He is to love her, and we're going to see that it's a specific kind of love. The duty to love is mentioned four times in Ephesians 5, in verse 25, two times in verse 28, and once in verse 33. And again, not to belabor the point, this means that the leadership that the husband provides must be loving leadership. Now, I said last time when we were talking about the ladies to you men, I said, buckle up. And I meant it. Because <laughs> we're fixing to see what, it's, what loving leadership, what loving your wife means. And it is not an easy task. You know, sometimes we, we, we hear, I've heard of a, a man trying to make his wife fulfill her duty to be submissive. And you remember what I told you, men, last time. That verse about wives submitting to their husbands, that's not a club for you to use to beat her over the head with. <laughs> that's a voluntary act on her part. That's not written to you. It's written for you. You ought to know that, but it's not written to you. You, don't, you, you cannot make her do that. And by the way, you need to just focus on what God tells you to do, okay? And I believe you'll spend probably most of your life, as I have mine, trying to do that. I hadn't had too much time to worry about my wife and her duties because I've had so much 
uh, so many places where I've failed in my own duty. So let's look at the kind of love. We see the command to love. So let's look at the kind of love that we're to have for our, for our wives. Notice, first of all, it is an active love. Look at verse 25 here in Ephesians again. Husbands, love your wives. That word love there is, is the Greek word agapio. And it means to exhibit or be full of goodwill and love. The literal definition says to have a preference for, to wish well to, to regard the welfare of, to take pleasure in something or to prize it above all other things, to be unwilling to abandon it or do without it, to welcome it with desire, to long for it. Now that's a pretty all-encompassing definition of love, is it not? And, and in the Greek, you've got three different types, three different words that are translated love. You've got agape love, then you've got phileo love. You know, you heard Philadelphia. The word Delphi or Delphios in, Delphos in Greek means brother, and phila means love. It's the city of brotherly love. That's the nickname for Philadelphia, right? Well, the, the, the phileo love is that fondness we have for one another as friends. And then you have the eros love, which is the physical kind of love. But that agape love is the highest form of love there is. It's the love Christ has for us. It's the kind of love that Christ, that Jesus has for us. And as a matter of fact, that's the kind of love we're supposed to have for one another and especially husbands for our wives. So... What does it mean to have an active love? It means that you're not just sitting back and pining for somebody from afar, you know? Jesus could have, Jesus could have sat up in heaven and just pined away for us and said, oh, I love them so much. In fact, that's the teaching you hear in a lot of the world today, that he loves us so much, but he just can't do anything about it. But the God of the Bible did something about it. He came down. He changed where he was. Now, now understand when I say this. I'm not talking about God changing his mind or changing his purpose, okay? He always purposed to come down here and to die for us. But he had to change his location to do that. Now, in the sense that we look at things, he could have sat right there in heaven and loved us with this feeling of love and never done one thing about it and just stayed right up there. But the love he had for us required him to change his position. He had to leave where he was by the Father and come down here to this sin-cursed world and to walk these dusty roads of death and to climb the hill of Calvary and die a death that we will never have to die because he died it for us, you see. It was an active love. He didn't just pine away for us from afar. He demonstrated his love. 2 Corinthians 8 and verse 9. Listen to this. For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. He changed his place where he was. Again, don't get me wrong. I'm not talking about he had to back up and make a, a, a plan B. He always purposed to do this, you see. But my point was he purposed to change where he was, to leave where he was, and, and to lay aside the riches of glory to become the poor man, God-man, who didn't even have a place to lay his head. 
And Jesus said in John 15 and verse 12, he said, This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. And listen to what the next verse says. Very familiar passage. Greater love hath no man than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. What did Jesus do in setting the example husbands as to what, the way we're to love our wives? He laid down his life. He died for his bride. He was willing to come down here and to change the place where he was, change the location where he was, and come down to this earth and lay down his life in a most horrifying and horrible, painful, excruciating way for his bride. And you see, that's the kind of love that we're supposed to have for our bride. It is an active love. It is active. It is also an unconditional love. Now, here's where theology becomes important. People say, well, I like, you know, theology and doctrine is one thing. I want to hear the practical stuff. Beloved, you can't put it into practice if you don't know what the doctrine says. See, this is important. Notice that Jesus' love for us was not based upon our merit. God tells through Paul here in Ephesians 5.25, he says, We are to love our wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Now notice, that means we have to understand what Christ did for the church. We're told in Romans chapter 5, you might turn back over there with me just for a moment. In Romans chapter 5 and verse 8, listen to this. But God commendeth his love toward us in that. He's about to tell us how he loved us. Husbands, you want to know how to love your wives like Christ loved the church? Here it is. In that, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He goes on to tell us being that we're justified by his blood and saved from wrath. And then he says in verse 10, If when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Look at this right here. Look at, look at what happened when God manifested his love for us. He did not do it when we got good enough to deserve it, did he? He didn't do it when we got better when we did the best we could. Somebody, somebody told me one time when I was trying to help them in a marital situation. He told me, well, Brother Chris, I've done my part. Now she's got to do hers. Now, don't get me wrong. I understand you can't make somebody stay in a marriage. If they're determined to leave, they're going to leave. I, I get that, okay? But that wasn't the situation here. And the situation was that he felt like he'd done all he needed to do, and now it was her turn. Well, beloved, what about Christ? <laughs> did, did Christ come down here and say, okay, I've done my part, now you've got to do yours? See, even the commandments regarding marriage hinge upon the theology of God's sovereign grace. He loved us even though we never did our part. Never. How did he love us? He loved us unconditionally. He loved us without any merit on my part. You know, I even had a guy come to me one time and say, you know, my wife's my enemy now. <laughs> my wife's my enemy. I just don't, I can't love her. Well, Christ said, love your enemies. <laughs> he did. Does that mean you feel good toward them? No. But it means you treat them right. You do your duty. And see, Christ loved us when we were even yet enemies. Turn, just turn back with me over to Matthew chapter 5. You say, well, I can't love like Christ did. Well, he commanded you to. And Christ told us a little bit about that in the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 5, look at verse 43. 
He said, you have heard that it has been said, thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. That was the teaching of that day. But notice what he says. But I say unto you, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. Pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. See, he didn't just tell us, okay, you need to just flip a switch in your heart and start feeling better toward them. That's not what he said. Listen, I've got some enemies. You've got enemies. I don't feel good toward them. I don't like to see them coming. I dread it. (laughs) My heart doesn't leap with joy when I see them coming into my presence. But you know, so, so how then, preacher, can I love my enemy if I can't feel good toward them? You can do good toward them, you see. You may not feel good toward them, but you can do good toward them. He said, love your enemies, bless them that curse you. In this particular case, this man was struggling with his wife and she was more cursing him than blessing him. And of course, you know, another thing we got to remember, husbands, is that we're not God. We're not perfect, right? We're not Jesus. So we probably have done something wrong in our marriages. (laughs) You know, I say that very facetiously because I know I've done things wrong in mine. But he says, bless them, bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. You see, do good. Remember, it's not, it's not feeling, it's doing. Pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. I want to let you in on a little secret. It is hard to stay mad at anybody you're praying for. You, are you mad at somebody? Are you struggling? Do you hate somebody in your heart? Pray for them. I guarantee you it'll get better. <laughs> I guarantee you it'll go away. You, it's hard to stay mad at somebody that you're praying for. Christ loved us unconditionally. And see, here's the deal. Husband says, well, I just, you know, I can't keep loving my wife. Well, unless, unless Christ quits loving you when you don't deserve it, then you can never quit loving your wife even when she doesn't deserve it. Because again, I got a little news for you. There's going to be times when you don't deserve it, husbands. There's going to be times, many, many times, when you don't deserve her love and submission. Another characteristic of this love, it was a sacrificial love. It is a sacrificial love. Notice back over in Ephesians again what it says here. It says, the, it says husbands, love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it gave himself for it Christ was never focused on himself beloved but he was focused upon his people he was focused upon his work the work that he came down here to do he laid down his life in death remember greater love hath no man than this that a man should lay down his life for his friends that's the level of sacrificial love Christ had Over in Galatians 2 and verse 20, he says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Over in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2, we're told that he endured the cross, despising the shame. And the reason that he did that is for the joy that was set before him. He was doing that for his people, his children. He laid down his life in death. And we ought to be willing to die for our wives. Husbands, we ought to be willing to lay down our lives in death for our wives. You know, that's a great romantic thought, isn't it? You know, that's, 
That's what uh, so many writers have made millions of dollars and sold millions of books about is some, some man laying down his life, dying for his wife, jumping in front of the train, you know, pushing her out of the way, taking a bullet, whatever. That's great. And you ought to, you ought to be willing to do that for your, your wife and your family. I hope I am. I believe that I am. And I would, you know, what an what a epitaph on your tombstone. He gave his life for his family, okay? But there's more to it than that. You won't hear me hardly ever, I don't think I've ever done a wedding that I didn't say this in the wedding when talking to the groom. It's great to die for your wife, but husbands, you ought to be willing to live for her. Notice it didn't just say he gave his life for her. Christ, it says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. You see, he laid down his life in death, but he laid down his life in life for them. Jesus didn't lead his disciples by some long-distance relationship. His was an in-person love. He was present and accounted for. He didn't just send them gifts from afar. He didn't just send them flowers on Valentine's Day or birthday. He was there for them. He, 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 was a, he spent approximately three years of his life, his earthly ministry here, in continuous association with his, his bride, his disciples. He ate with them. He walked with them. He laid down with them. He rejoiced with them. And listen, he's still with us today. Matthew 18, 20 says, where two or three are gathered together, there am I in the midst of them. He's here this morning. He's not just sitting up on his throne in heaven. Praise God, he is on his throne in heaven. But he's right here with us in the person of the Holy Spirit. He loves us enough that he lays down his life for us in his life. He is here with us. Husbands, it's so important, so important to be with our wives. It's so important to share yourselves with them. The wife doesn't need our stuff. She needs us. Yeah, you got a duty. We got duties as husbands to provide. I understand that. If a man won't work, neither shall he eat. He's worse than a reprobate, I, worse than an infidel. I get that. But beloved, it's our jobs as the loving leaders of our households to be there for our wives. You know, as I said, many of us would say and mean it that we would die for our wives. But will we truly live for them? You know, it's not just enough. It's not enough just to bring home the bacon. She needs us. She needs you, husbands. It was a sacrificial love. And that means sacrificing our desires, our wants sometimes, and being there when we don't necessarily want to be. Another characteristic of this love that Christ had for his people is it, it is an unending love. What's Jeremiah say in Jeremiah 31, 3? He says, I've loved thee with an everlasting love. Psalm 103 and verse 17 says, The mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear him. It never ends. You know, I always think about over in John chapter 13, that beginning of that passage that, where he ends up a few verses in washing the disciples' feet and demonstrating his love for them. But you know what it says initially there? It says, having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them to the end. He never quit loving them. 
You know, you turn. You don't have to this morning, but turn sometime to, to Romans chapter 8 and verse 35 and read the rest of that, verse, that chapter. It talks about the inseparability that exists between Christ and his bride. Life, death, no other creature. There's not anything that can separate us from the love of Christ, the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so when you get to the point, husbands, that you say, I've had all I can take. I've just had it up to here. What if Christ said that? What if Jesus said that? What if halfway up Calvary he said, you know what, time out, that's it. I've had enough. You know, I, I, I showed Peter all that I was. He even walked on the water coming to me. And even on the water, he took his eyes off me and he began to sink into the sea. Into the sea. And now I'm walking up this road to Calvary and he's denied me three times. And all my other disciples, I'm done. I've had enough. This is as far as I'm going. What if Christ said that? He had every right. He had more right to say that than, than you have to say that about your wives. Because like I said, Jesus did nothing wrong. He did all things well. You know, you just might have messed up, husbands. You ever thought about that? You just might. You know, every once in a while, I mess up. And for those of you that are just listening to this at some point on the podcast and can't see me, I'm, I'm being very facetious. <laughs> I know I mess up every day, you see. I don't deserve, I don't deserve her to act like she loves me, but I am obligated, I am required by what God said in his word, and because of his death and his burial and his resurrection, his love for me, to love her with an unending love, you see. So the excuses don't work. I don't love her anymore. I've had all I can take. I've had it up to here. She doesn't act lovable. All those, none of those hold water when it comes to Christ-like love. Due to the constraints of time, we will stop the message here. But please join us tomorrow for the conclusion of this message. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. That's Z-I-O-N-P-B-C-1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismccool at gmail.com. That's the letter J-C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.